It is great to be able to praise God together. Thank you for being here. You all may be seated. Um, I appreciate you so very much. I appreciate our band leading us in a great time of worship and just being able to focus on Doug. Again, um, my name is Doug Vernon. Um, I'm the senior minister here. Thankful to have you in person and those of you who are online. Again, if you're brand new with us, if this is your first time of being with us, we encourage you. We'd love to connect with you so you can text that word welcome um, to 636-206-8654 and we would uh, be able to share some information with you. Um, I just love being able to honor God and worship Him together as a church family. I just appreciate the opportunity um, to just take a moment and recognize God in, in a variety of ways as we sing together, as we worship together, as we pray together. And so again, I love that part of being in Wildwood Christian Church, just the opportunity to do that. So we've had a lot of obstacles thrown our way throughout this particular year, right? You've had some, I've had some. I wonder how good you are at taking those kind of barriers and obstacles as they come your way. Are you good at handling them? Or do you kind of give up? Do you try to take a detour? I hope when it comes to the obstacles in your life, you're better than these people are. John, back at the snowman surprise is mother of three, Tina Wilkie. Oh! Glad that's not my mama. Well, my friend, Mama Tina has lots of company crashing into our surprise party. Oh, oh balloons! Oh, streamers! <laughs> Happy birthday! Oh, bin the wall on the contestant, my favorite party game. Oh, it's my party and you can cry if you want to. Yeah! Oh, give that guy the key to the city. Wipeouts like that keep me getting up in the morning. When I was born, I'll never forget. It's incredibly sweet. Oh! Looks like exhaustion finally caught up with him. And it'll probably stay with him for the next 18 years. Congratulations. It's a record. Baby Daddy bringing home a time of 1.52. Have a cigar, everybody. I, why do I love watching people get blasted like that? I would never do that. I, I could never make it through obstacles like that. Um, I struggle enough with just regular obstacles in my life. The last 18 months, hasn't it? I mean, it has just been crazy. The things that we've had to face. I'm just reflecting on some of the stuff that I've had to re face in obstacles over the last 18 months. So it was March of 2020, I got my right knee replaced, and it was like within that week, COVID begins to hit, and within two weeks, we got to figure out what we're supposed to do as a church, right? We can't meet anymore, we had to figure out the whole streaming thing, and again, we're thankful for that, but that's it, it's just crazy trying to figure that out, and then trying to figure out how we stay connected, you know, as a church family, what do we do with our small groups? You can't meet in person. Uh, how do we handle some of those things? We had to forego some of the events that we love having as a church family. And so all of that was crazy in the midst of the figuring out masks and all of those things. Then that summer, the summer of 2020, my sisters and I, we went down to Springfield, Missouri, and we packed up my dad's house and got it repaired to be able to put it on the market. And so dad moves in with us in August. We did some renovating of our house, and so we got to have dad live with us. And we're still trying to figure out as a church, how do we meet together? Do you realize it was um, just a little over a year ago, the first time we actually met in person together as a church family, October the 18th. And so we did that, but then we had to make adjustments and we had to figure out because, you know, we weren't sure exactly what was going on through that. Then we couldn't have our fall festival. We couldn't have our Thanksgiving dinner. Those are all things that we love to do. 
And then, early December, we find out my dad gets diagnosed with cancer. Ten days later, my dad passes away. Then the first of the year hits. And it's like all this kind of turmoil gets stirred up in the midst of all of that. And as I shared with you all um, a couple of months ago, I faced major depression. You know, I had to deal with that. And then Elliot, our student minister, resigns. And then we're still trying to figure out how do we do life together and what's that going to look like for us together. And then on top of all of that, this last week, I turned 60. <laughs> there you go. I tell you what, you know, it has been one obstacle after another, and I've got I've to be honest with you, it's had an impact on my spiritual walk with the Lord. And it's, these obstacles are not unfamiliar to you all, because I know your stories, and I know some of the things that some of you have faced, which has been way more significant than what I faced this year. I mean, the impact on your family. I mean, whether you got people in your family who like masks or don't like masks, who like the vaccination, who don't like I've seen families split because of those things. Or what about financially? Some of you have just been hit so hard financially. Some of you have lost jobs. You've had to change jobs. You're still trying to figure out that whole piece of it. Some of you have had some major health issues during these last 18 months, things that you've had to face and obstacles in your way. Some of you have lost people you love dearly, husbands or wives family members. You've had to go through that. You've had to try to figure out what life looks like for your kids in the midst of all of this stuff, and what are you going to do, and how are you going to decide things about that? It's just like one thing after another, and obstacles have a way of getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ if we will let them. I mean, it, it's something that we have to be intentional about. And obstacles can cause all kinds of issues in regard to our relation, they, relationship with Jesus. They can really limit it if we allow them to. And I think that's one of the reasons why God included the story that we're going to look at today from the Gospel of Luke. Because this is a guy who faced some unusual obstacles in his life between him and Jesus, and yet he didn't let that deter him at all. He didn't let that stop him at all from going after Jesus Christ. And so... Today, we're going to take a look at a story from Luke chapter 19 as we look at our series, This Search and Be Rescued. Now, I've got to give a warning to all of our small group leaders who are out there, is the lesson that we're, I'm teaching today is actually mixed up with the previous lesson. So just kind of a forewarning to all of you so that you know what's going on there, all right? So today, we are continuing this series entitled Search and Be Rescued. Every single one of us, in fact, everybody in the world, has this desire in their life for meaning and significance. And people do a lot of things to try to find that meaning. You've done things. I've done things to try to find that meaning and significance. But we know that it comes because of a relationship with Jesus, or at least we have this idea that if I go after Jesus, something's going to be able to change in my life. And so last January... As our staff and leadership met together, we talked about how do we help our church in 2021 search after Jesus and seek him with everything that they have. And so this series, in fact, the very first story of this series, the story of uh, uh, two sisters, Mary and Martha, really is kind of the core to this whole thing. 
as we talk about this idea of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And if we're going to search after Jesus, that's what we got to do. How do we sit at the feet of Jesus? We take God's Word every day and we open God's Word and we read out of God's Word. That's how God speaks to us, through His Word. Then last week we learned that <clears throat> I've got to be willing to admit that I'm the problem if I'm ever going to be rescued. You know, in the midst of seeking after Jesus, what I learn is that I happen to be the problem. And when I can admit that, that opens the door for Jesus to be able to work on my life and on your life. And so today we come to Luke chapter 19. Uh, it is the story of a man who just needed to find Jesus and did whatever he could possible to find Jesus that he literally had some obstacles in his way, but he didn't let those obstacles stop him from seeking after Jesus Christ. And so in the face of the obstacles you have, the things you're dealing with right now and I'm dealing with right now, here's what I want you to be able to understand. Don't allow anything to keep you from seeking after Jesus. Don't allow anything to keep you from seeking after Jesus Christ. So Luke 19, I'm going to read the first 10 verses, encourage you to open your Bible. There's a Bible in the seat there or in uh, the back of the seat in front of you. We'll have it up on the screen. Those of you who are online, I encourage you to take your Bible and open that up. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And it says there that he is just passing through Jericho. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. <clears throat> now, Jesus never does anything just randomly, right? He wasn't just passing through. In fact, everything that Jesus does is on mission. Jesus has something in mind every place that he happens to go. In fact, at the end of this story... Jesus himself tells us what that mission is. is. In verse 10 of Luke chapter 19, he says, Therefore the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Say that out loud with me. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And what we know and recognize from the teaching of Scripture is that that's the category all of humanity find themselves in. This category of the lost. So we're... We, find our main character starting in verse 2, a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. He says there, a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
So we learn a few things about Zacchaeus here. So what is his occupation in this story? Tax collector. Not just tax collector, but he is the chief tax collector, and he is wealthy. I'm not sure that those two should go together, but they do in the story. One may have something to do with the other, particularly in that culture there. But then it also says that he, what, what does it say about his stature? He was what? He was short. Now, I grew up in church. I know not all of you did. I grew up in church, and in Sunday school, we had this little song we would sing. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah, that's a terrible song. I mean, so politically incorrect, I can't even fathom that. And so you can imagine, you know, some of the stuff that Zacchaeus had to face. It specifically tells us about his stature there, and yet it doesn't keep him. Now, I wonder... From my perspective, even though it doesn't keep him there, do those factors of his life, are they advantages or are they disadvantages? His wealth, his occupation, his stature, even as we learn how other people happen to see him. In other words, were they obstacles between him and Jesus? Were they barriers that got in his way? I think it's something that we have to reflect in our own life. Are there things that tend to get in our way? But I want you to notice again verse 3 there. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, one of the things I mentioned last week when I'm studying the Bible is to help me better understand certain passages, I like to read in different translations. And so the Lexham English Bible there, the LEB, says he was seeking to see Jesus. And your translation may something, say something even different. He wanted to see Jesus. He was seeking to see Jesus. That word wanted or seeking has at its kind of the root of it this idea of a, a great desire to go after something. I mean, in the day that Jesus lived, the Greek language oftentimes used that word uh, in regard to investigating. You know, if I'm investigating something and trying to get to, to the bottom of something, that would be a word that I might use. In other words, the desire of Zacchaeus is he's just not on some sightseeing tour. He is seeking to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. He desires to see Jesus. He needs to see Jesus here. And so what does he do? Verse 4. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus can't see Jesus because of the crowd, because he's a wee little man, right? No, I should say he's short. He can't see Jesus, and so he looks down the road, that's the direction they're going, and he sees this sycamore fig tree. It's a can get pretty large. It was oftentimes along the side of the road because it provided a lot of shade, but it had those low branches that made it easy to climb. And he thinks to himself, if I run down there and climb up there, Jesus is going that way. And so he forgoes all dignity, right? Because he is a successful businessman. He hikes up his robe and he turns and he takes off running down for that tree. And then he climbs up in that tree. It has been a long time since I've climbed up into any tree. My granddaughter, Lael, was climbing up into trees this week, and I kept thinking, I'm glad I'm not doing that. I would kill myself. But that's what Zacchaeus does. He forgoes etiquette. He forgoes dignity. Because of his great desire, he wants to see Jesus. 
Now, what do you do when you see a celebrity? I mean, Jesus was a big celebrity, right? <clears throat> there is a huge difference between how I react to celebrity sightings and how my wife reacts to celebrity sightings. So I was in the airport, I don't know, this is five or six years ago, and sitting there waiting, I was by myself waiting for an airplane, and there across the row from me is Reggie Jackson, NBA, right? Guy, great player, he's sitting right there. I didn't do anything to acknowledge him. I didn't try to get his autograph. I didn't take his picture, nothing. I just thought, how cool is it that he's there? And I started thinking about some of the games and how annoying he was as a basketball player. But the other, uh, about two years ago, Patty and I are coming home from California to see our granddaughter. And all of a sudden, we see Henry Winkler, the Fawns, right? And Wallace, let's see, what's his last name? Anyway, from the Princess Bride, right? Notice we have a picture of them. I didn't take this picture, right? I, she said, we got to go meet them. And I said, I'm not doing that. And so she starts talking to the strangers next to her saying, we need to go meet them, right? I mean, we have a whole different reaction and response to celebrity sightings. Here's Zacchaeus. Jesus is a celebrity. He wants to see him. And so what does he do? He goes and he climbs up this tree so that he can see Jesus. I, I don't think Zacchaeus had any expectation of being acknowledged by Jesus. I don't think he had any kind of expectation that they would have a conversation. I just think he desperately wanted to see Jesus. I don't know if he saw something significant, if he just wanted to get a sight of this particular guy. And yet, Jesus is not just passing through Jericho. Jesus has an appointment, and that appointment is with Zacchaeus. He's known since before time began. In fact, he comes up to the tree. Not only does he acknowledge this guy up in the tree, but what does he do? He calls him by name, Zacchaeus. How does he know his name? How is that even possible? It's possible because this isn't just some guy. This is the living son of God. This is God himself, the creator of the universe. He knew Zacchaeus' name even before Zacchaeus was born. In fact, here's how the psalmist said it in Psalm 139. Psalm 139 for me there, Dale. Sorry, I messed you up, I think. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Everyone in this room, you need to know and understand that God knows your name. He knows everything about you. And his love for you is astonishing. He will do anything he can to reach out and to seek us just like he did with Zacchaeus, who's up in this tree. And so Jesus then acknowledges him, verse 5. We'll go back to that one, Dale. I'm really messing you up. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Not I should or I'd kind of like to, but this is going to happen because I've been planning this all along. Now there is kind of a negative reaction to this decision, right? So look down there in verse 7. He says this, all the, or Luke writes this, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
Now that's not just a negative comment about Zacchaeus. He's the sinner because he's the tax collector guy. But it really is a negative connotation towards Jesus. They look at it as being, I mean, how can you be a good person if you hang out with a guy like that? But does Jesus care? Not at all. Because Jesus didn't come for those people who think they've got it all together, right? For the well, who think they're well. Jesus came for the people who are willing to say, you know what? I know I'm the problem. I know I'm the one who is a sinner. I know that I am the one who is a struggle. And so Jesus acknowledges him, but he doesn't care what they think. And look at the impact that it had on Zacchaeus by Jesus coming to his house. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So do you think Zacchaeus gave away half of his wealth just to look good here? Do you think Zacchaeus gave away half, half of his wealth, you know, to try to make amends for his past mistakes? I mean, nobody gives away half their wealth just to be, look good, right? And you may say, well, you know, I don't have that much. It, it's probably a lot easier for a person who has a lot of wealth to give half of away. Then you don't understand the power of money in a person's life. It is difficult for any of us to do that. And so the question becomes, is this... Um, uh, what is his name? Zacchaeus. Is this Zacchaeus trying to make amends for things of the past? Or is this the result of the impact of Jesus in his heart and in his life? We don't really have the answer. It's really left up to you and I to kind of wrestle with, even in our own lives. Or the choices that I make, am I trying to, you know, earn what I've, you know, the messed up things I've done, am I trying to earn goodness for that? Or is this really the result of God truly changing my life? But Zacchaeus, this is like such a transformation. In fact, it's a little bit reminiscent in the Old Testament. They used to have these thank offerings. When something good would happen to you, you would go into the temple and you would offer the best of your herd as a thank offering to God. You would offer the best of your produce just to be able to say, God, I thank you. I think that's Zacchaeus. So thankful to God for what he had done in his heart and in his life. He was transformed. And many of you have experienced that transformation. You've seen what God can do in your life when you completely surrender to him. So how does Jesus describe this encounter? Verse 9, it says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Today salvation has come to this house. So Zacchaeus is a picture of us seeking after God, not letting any obstacle get in the way. It's a picture, first of all, of us seeking God for salvation. You know, salvation has come to this house, Jesus declares. And for some of you, that's where you're at. You, you need to take the step of letting Jesus save you from your sins. Because you see, the very beginning of time, God created Adam and Eve and the world, and he placed them in this perfect environment. But what did they do? Adam and Eve sinned, and it created this chasm between the two of them, this huge gap between the two of them. So put that up for me, Dale. It's this huge gap between us and God and our relationship with God. And there is absolutely nothing you and I could do to ever bridge that gap between us and God. We can try as hard as we want, and what are we going to do? We're going to fall right down in the midst of that chasm. 
We're not going to be able, our own goodness, our own righteousness, we can be as nice as we want to the preacher, and we will never be able to do enough good to earn our way to heaven. And the result of that, of those who are eternally separated from God, is a place called hell. And that is not where God wants us to be. In fact, do you know that hell was not even created for humanity? It was created for the devil and his angels, and yet when a person is eternally separated from God and they die physically, where they go is is hell. And God doesn't want that, but he knows on our own we can't do anything to be able to get back in a relationship with God. And so that's why Jesus died on the cross. That cross becomes this bridge that um, goes between us and our relationship with God. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I so that we could be saved. And so we put our faith and trust in Jesus and allows us to move by ourselves, separated from God, into a relationship with God himself. And so in my seeking after Jesus Christ, how do I walk across that bridge? How how am I saved? How do I receive Jesus Christ? Well, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Belief is not just some kind of head knowledge or, you know, okay, God, God's up there somewhere. No, belief is fully putting my faith and trust in Jesus, recognizing the fact that my own goodness can't do anything to earn my way to heaven. Belief in Jesus Christ is putting my trust in him as my Lord and as my Savior, realizing it is my sin that separates me from God. i got to repent of those sins. You know, Scripture teaches us to repent. Go to the next one for me, Dale. Thank you. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. To repent is to acknowledge and recognize my sin is what caused this huge gap between me and God. And then I'm baptized into Christ. Um, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, there's nothing magical in the water Water is not what saves us. But when we, Scripture describes baptism like a mock tomb. That's why we immerse. It's it's like going completely underneath the water, like I die to myself and I come up a new person. Not because of anything I've done, not because of any water, but because of Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. And that's where some of you are. You need to receive Jesus by putting your faith and your trust in him today. Salvation has come to this house. But there's also the concept there of not only salvation, but a concept of deliverance that comes from this passage of Scripture as well. It says, I give half my wealth. I mean, There are all kinds of things in our life that are obstacles that weigh us down, that keep us from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where some of you are, many of us are. There's something in your life that is keeping you from having this kind of intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You said yes to him as your Lord and Savior, but there's something that's getting in the way. And I wonder, in the life of Zacchaeus there... uh, I wonder what he could have used as an excuse to keep him from his relationship with God. What do you think he could have used as his excuse? He could have used, 
how other people viewed him, right? They hated him because he was a tax collector. He's a, you know, a sinner. He could have used his stature as an excuse, right? I mean, God, God, why did you make me this way? He could have used the crowd as an excuse, you know, other people in his life and his relationship. He certainly could have used his wealth as an excuse, you know, I don't need anything. I've got everything that I need here. The real question for you and I is, what excuses are we using? What obstacles are we allowing to stay between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ? What is it that we're allowing to get in the way of us and our walk with Jesus Christ? I mean, would you be willing to run down the road to see Jesus? Would you be willing to climb up a tree to see Jesus? I mean, what is it that you need to forego? What is it that I need to forego in my life so I could really have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And if we don't allow that to be removed from our life, if we don't take steps to get rid of that obstacle, we will never experience the transformation that Zacchaeus experienced. But what's amazing about this particular story is the fact that when we take that first step towards him, whatever it is, how small or how big it is, what we discover is like he's standing up under that tree looking at us saying, Doug, I've been waiting here. I'm coming to your house. I'm ready to work in your life. So you recall earlier I, I, I talked about this word in verse 3 about, you know, he wanted to see Jesus or he was seeking to see Jesus. What's interesting is how Jesus ends this story, right? Luke um, 19 verse 10, for the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save the lost. It's the same word. The desire that Zacchaeus and any of us have to pursue Jesus Christ in that relationship with him is nothing compared to the desire that Jesus has to seek and save those of us who are lost. He will do anything. He will knock on any door. He will bring about any kind of circumstance. He will open any door for you and I so that we can have a relationship with him. In fact, he's on his way to give his life for you and for me on the cross. That's why he came even before you and I were born. Even before this world existed, God had a plan in place because his desire to find you and I is even greater than our desire to reach out to him. See, you will find him, I will find him, when we seek him with all of our hearts. So what obstacles are you using as an excuse to keep you from your relationship with Jesus? I think it's important to get really honest with God about that. I mean, he knows what it is anyway. I mean, if he made us, if he knew us before our, we were formed, he knows what it is that we're allowing to get in between him and us. And so what is that obstacle? Now, is it our pride? Is it our problems that we've had in our life? Can we use the last 18 months and say, you know what, God, if you'd work better in my life, I'd be okay. You know, what, what is it that we're allowing to come between us and between God? Today, some of you need to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today, all of us need his deliverance by saying, Lord, this is the thing that I'm allowing to come between you and me. And just say, Lord, I need you to help me. Don't allow anything to get in the way of us seeking Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. 
Lord, I thank you for your love and mercy. Lord, that in my own life, I just see you working again and again, pulling me closer to you, Father, that you would save someone like me. Lord, I am so thankful. And Lord, I pray that every single person in this room, listening online, listening to this message, Lord, would desire to seek you with all of their hearts. And Lord, if there's one who needs to say yes to you, who needs to invite you into their heart and into their life to be their Lord and Savior, to put their trust in you, I pray that today would be that day. And I pray that all of us would be honest with you, Lord, that we would say, here's what's getting in the way, Lord, help me to move that out of the way. Father, we love you and we thank you for your mercy. In your most precious name we pray, amen.